forsake you. I'm just I'm thinking about the words and the songs that we have sang so far this morning. And he prepares a table in the presence of your enemies. And then I'm thinking of the Israelites. And yes, they were slaves to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh also provided them something to eat. So they were physically, they were taken care of during that time. God had prepared a table for them. Are we going to allow
Well, good morning. Good to have you here. I know they're getting kids checked into kids' church, I believe. Is that correct? So we'll give them a second to catch up. But while we're waiting, if you want to prepare your tithe and offering, there's offering envelopes in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around, uh, and one of the ushers will have envelopes. We also have prayer cards. If you have a prayer need, please wave your hand around. We pray over those prayer needs constantly, Monday night prayer, and uh, our prayer team prays over them. So uh, if you have prayer requests, please uh, turn those in. You can give them to me or, or one of the ushers will get them to me. But, but good morning, family of faith. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. We believe in you if you didn't know that. Believe it or not, we love you. Well, not you knew that either, but we do, and we're glad you're a part of our growing family of faith and all the things that God is up to. So we love our church, amen, but we also, even more than that, love what God is doing among us, and I believe God is up to some stuff, so I'm always excited about that. So anyways, tithe and offering, if you have something prepared, let me pray over it, and we appreciate your giving and your faithfulness in your giving. You're a very faithful uh, congregation of, of Again, a family of faith, and all, all things that you see happen both in the church and when we go out outside of church, it's all funded by your giving. Uh, the lights turned on today because you're giving. The, the heat worked this morning because you're giving. Hopefully the weather gets better so the error worked because you're giving. Um, uh, all the things that happen are because of your giving. So if you're a part of our, our church here, we appreciate your, your dedication to that. So Lord, we thank you an opportunity just to continue in our worship right now and in our giving. And I pray, Lord, it's a, a blessing to you as, as, Lord, you have increased our life, Lord, and, and uh, as you always go before us in provision, Lord, and we thank you for that. You are so faithful. And, and I pray, Lord, as we give today, it's a reflection of your faithfulness in, in our tithe that is holy unto you. Lord, it's just a reminder to us that you are our provider, and you are the one that makes ways, and you are the one that that uh, brings us the sustenance of life. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have any giving, you can bring it. I do have a, a big, giant mountain of announcements for you, and I apologize for that. There's a lot of stuff going on. 
Uh, first off, probably the biggest one is this coming Saturday is the ladies' event. All right. So uh, if you have questions, see Margot. It does cost five bucks. Uh, if you have the five bucks, you can see Margot. If you don't have the five bucks, you can still see Margot. It's okay. So anything you need, see her. Uh, she'll help you up. That's just coming Saturday. Starts at 10, ends roughly around 2, lunch provided. Uh, and guys, help me out by giving your wife a break and watching the kids so she can come be blessed here. So anyhow, that's just coming Saturday. Also, uh, we're, we're going to try to establish the first Sundays of each month as water baptism Sundays. Okay, so we have water baptism uh, on May the 7th, the first Sunday of May. So if you are interested in being water baptized, and for the reasons of, of some, it's the outward expression of what God has done in salvation. There's a sign sheet back there for that. If you sign up, I'll contact you, and we'll get that uh, taken care of. And if there is water baptism, what we do right when church is over, we head outside and celebrate and uh, honor those that are being water baptized right when church is over. Also, that same day, that night at 6 o'clock, we have Youth Hangout. We call it Youth Hangout Squared. It is uh, uh, extra uh, youth hangout outside of our, our Wednesday night youth hangout. And what they're going to have that night at 6 o'clock is they're going to have the sanctuary, their own worship, a message, uh, a time, uh, some food, some, some good stuff, some fun stuff. But we want to give our youth, 5th to 12th grade, a chance to uh, expand and grow a little bit so it's something not only a young person can be at, but they can invite their friends for that. Okay, so that is May the 7th, 6 o'clock right here. Uh, also, here's some, a couple things couple things. I got three or four more things. But um, uh, May the 21st, that's a Sunday, uh, we have, uh, every now and then we have a vision casting Sunday. And what's going to happen that day on a vision casting Sunday, service will end roughly near around 11 o'clock. Uh, we're asking if you are a, a member of this church or uh, you call this your church home, you have an opportunity to stay that day. And what that is, is I'm just going to talk to you about vision going forward for the church for this year into next year. Uh, we're going to update you on uh, things needed to expand kids' church, uh, things going on with our youth. I'm going to update you on, on finances. I'm going to update you on uh, finances for the building. Just a lot of different stuff to put information in your hands. So, again, if, if this is your home church, that's for you. What we're asking that day is you bring some, some sort of food to share. I'm going to order a bunch of chicken or something, and we'll hang out. We'll eat some food. Then we'll, we'll talk about our church and, and things going forward. So uh, mark your calendars for that. Okay, I'm going to keep going here. Also in May, starts the second Wednesday in May, Judah, during church when worship is over, he's going to be leading a small group on basic discipleship. And what that is, is the, is the nuts and bolts, rubber meets the road, what it means to be a Christian and how to live the Christian life and the elements needed to go forward living the Christian life. So it's really basic, but super needed. So Judah's going to be leading that small group. There's a sign-up back there for that. So uh, four Wednesdays in May when worship is over, instead of staying for the message, you're going to go with Judah for that small group. And I think that's important. That's why we're doing it. So if you have questions, you can see Judah, or you can sign up at the back. Another one this Wednesday. Just turn to your neighbor and say, we're almost done. We're almost done. All right. This coming Wednesday, I'm not speaking. Everybody say amen. Um, no, we got, we got evangelist Darius Herrera with us this coming Wednesday. And he was with us uh, once before. I think we were in the building at the time when he came. And he's an evangelist originating from Cuba. Uh, but he's going to be with us, has a strong word on revival. So he's going to be with us this Wednesday. So I encourage you to be out for that. It's a strong ministry time. 
Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to meet with him Tuesday and catch up, but then I'm looking forward to having him with us on Wednesday night. And by the way, whenever we have a guest speaker that's outside of sort of the Only Believe uh, uh, campuses that come and speak, we always take up an offering for them. So uh, be prepared for that. Okay, Joy Fellowship is today. I promised I wouldn't forget. So that's at 5 o'clock tonight. Uh, if you have questions, see Bill and Patsy. So that's happening. I love Joy Fellowship. And a couple of little side notes. Our water fountain's working again. Yeah, amen. So after, uh, seems like six months, and I, can I be really honest with you? I tried to fix it, so we had to bring a plumber. So anyways, um, but it is now working, and I know for our little guys, always want something to drink. It's right here in the hallway. We have a stool by there. They can jump up and grab a drink if they want. Also, uh, uh, spring cleaning-wise, coat rack. If you got stuff back there, please grab it. There's coats back there from the winter. There were some cups on the counter that people left here. Uh, and things like that. So please grab that stuff before I grab it and it disappears. All right, so if you got your Bibles, the book of John, I'm done. Let's let's move on. Oh, I'm sorry. I do have one more. Mike, come here. Man. Huh? Yeah, see, Lori, about Christine's small group. I almost forgot, but this was sitting here. I told Patsy I remember when I put this here. This This is for the Sycamore House. So Mike, explain what this is all about. Good. All right. Thanks, Mike. The Sycamore House does a wonderful work in our town. We support them financially a little bit every month, but we also want to participate in things like this. So, all right. Now, get your Bibles out. John chapter 20. And we're going to start in verse number 19 in just a moment. So we're going to continue with some follow-up post-resurrection of Jesus uh, happenings that we find in the gospel. Today, I want to talk to you about a certain individual. And then next week, by the way, we're going to uh, talk about Peter. And post-resurrection interactions with Jesus, as you know, the story that Peter uh, ended up denying Jesus three times and, and uh, the things that happened because of that. We're going to talk about that next week. But today, I want to talk to you about a guy that most of you guys know as Doubting Thomas. Now, the Bible doesn't call him Doubting Thomas. We just end up calling him that, right? Uh, here's the thing. I think and I believe, and I've been around this long enough to know that everybody is prone to doubt. Doubt as a hesitation is not uncommon. By the way, having said that, and I also find that God is not petty. How many know that God's not petty? And when you have sometimes these moments of doubt or moments of hesitation, God does not abandon you. Okay? God's not that petty. But what we have in our minds is, and something God made us with, by the way, is the ability to reason and try to think things through. We, we have a tendency to want to be very logical about stuff. Amen. And, and by the way, your logic is very good. It's good to have. I'm glad we can reason about stuff. But somewhere in the end of the 17th century into the 18th century, uh, something was on the rise. One way they could uh, 
title was an empiricism. And empiricism, in one sense, says that, you know what? I would like to have everything that I believe to be proven in such a way that I can call it fact. I want to know that I can believe it, and I want to be able to prove it maybe in the most basic way is five senses. I want to be able to see it, hear it, touch it, taste it, smell it, you know, something like that. Um, and we find the story of Thomas, and Thomas sort of falls into this uh, idea of empiricism. But the thing about empiricism is that when it comes to issues of faith, part of the reason it was on the rise when it was is, is the struggling with faith. So it seemed to be that factual knowledge sort of became at loggerheads with issues of faith. This was at the rise of, of, of that time period. Now, what I do know is that doubt and the danger of doubt is that it can turn into ongoing unbelief. Everybody, I think, is prone to doubt at times. It's common. God's not petty and abandoning us in those moments. But doubt can turn into ongoing unbelief, and then there's issues there. But ultimately, as Christians, we confess much more than we can empirically prove. And by the way, that is faith. That I'm sure of what I hope for, believing in the things that I cannot see. That's faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. So I want to talk to you today about Thomas and this idea of, of proving it by our five senses versus faith. And when we know about doubting Thomas, we see him in the scriptures, but... Uh, we know him as the story of, of Jesus being resurrected, as we're going to read in a minute, him not believing it and that stuff. But, you know, Thomas pops up in the Gospels a little bit before that whole episode. You know, there was a time, uh, of course, Thomas was counted among the original 12 disciples. So he was with Jesus from near the beginning of what we call his ministry. Thomas popped up one time when uh, Jesus was headed towards uh, the tomb of Lazarus, after he heard that Lazarus had passed away, and, and they're heading that way. And uh, Thomas quips, he says, well, let us all go with him so we may die with him. He, he makes this, this comment. And the disciples at the time are starting to get the sense that there's enough opposition to Jesus that there may be trouble and may even come to physical harm. Uh, remember, remember in John chapter 14, Jesus makes one of the great I am declarations. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me. Remember that? Well, that's in response to something that Thomas asked. So Thomas pops up at these, these moments, but we really know him as doubting Thomas because of what we're going to read today. So John chapter 20 and verse number 19, we're actually going back to the passage of Scripture we were in last week. It says, on the evening of the first day, the first day of the week, and this is a week after the resurrection, most likely, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So right there, originally, Jesus gives the disciples that were there empirical evidence because they could see him, he heard, they heard him, and, and if they wanted to, I'm assuming that maybe they could touch him, okay? 
So we'll go on from there. And verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you hold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, or the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But here's Thomas' response to that. Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will not believe. See that? Thomas was demanding some empirical evidence that Jesus really was resurrected. Now, the first time Jesus appears with the disciples, Thomas wasn't there. Who knows where he was? It doesn't say. But when the other disciples told him that they had seen Jesus, he simply didn't believe it. Now, here's the thing. Jesus calling the disciples to him, and we know the stories of the Gospels, those disciples saw a lot of stuff, miracles, miraculous things. They heard a lot of teaching that sort of started to shake things up a little bit. And Thomas was there for it all. He saw the miracles. He heard the teachings. He saw everything that Jesus did, the Son of God in flesh in front of him. But just like the other disciples, when Jesus is, is foreshadowing that he's going to die and be resurrected, they, start, they weren't quite catching it. So when Jesus was crucified, Thomas thought it was done. Now, what's interesting here, we call him doubting Thomas. Thomas isn't really simply doubting here. He's in absolute unbelief. And there's a little bit of a difference there, by the way. He's not struggling with doubt. He's just like, unless I actually see... Unless he's right in front of me where I can touch him, where, where the nails were in his hand, where the spear pierced his side. I'm not believing. You can forget about it. He's in absolute unbelief. He's just not doubting. See, the disciples, these guys that he had hung out with for about three years, doing all of these things together, when they said, hey, we saw the Lord. He wasn't believing what they were saying. Thomas was demanding empirical evidence, five-sense evidence. And it says there, unless he got it, he would not believe. He needed to see, he needed to touch, and he needed to actually hear. Now, what's interesting is some translations have it different here. Thomas called Didymus. Didymus actually in English is the twin. So it's most likely that Thomas actually had a twin. Okay? But what I find interesting very symbolically here is there are many people, if not most people in our world today that is sort of mirror Thomas or a twin to Thomas because I want to say something like this. If God is really real or if this whole Jesus business was really real then he's got to prove it to me. He's got to show me this, or he's got to do that, or he's got to answer this prayer. And if he won't do those things, I'm not going to believe it. 
And there's a lot of people that mirror Thomas, the twin with Thomas in this moment. See, Paul writes, and we don't have to go there, but let me just read this to you. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He's talking about preaching the crucified Christ. And he says, look, Jews demand a sign. Notice that. They demand a sign. The Greek, in their philosophical ways, the Greeks want wisdom. But here's Paul's response to those who demand a sign and Paul's response to those who demand wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. And he goes on to say, look, and you know what? That is a stumbling block to the Jews who demand a sign. And that's foolishness to the Gentiles who think we need to come with all things. And so it is with the world. There's a whole segment of this world that demands a sign. You know, uh, there was a time before the crucifixion, Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they actually demanded a sign from heaven to verify that he actually was who he was starting to claim to be. You know how Jesus responded to them? He said, a wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign. That's what he said. He said, but here's the sign I'm going to give you. He called it the sign of Jonah. In other words, he's symbolic of Jonah being inside this big fish for, for three days, right? That his resurrection was the sign that he was going to give. If you want to believe in me, then you got to believe in the fact that I have been resurrection, or I will be in that case. As Paul writes, that we simply, listen, we simply preach Christ crucified. Let's keep reading. John chapter 20. In verse 26, we'll finish up this story with Thomas real quick. So eight days later, his disciples were inside again, but this time, notice, Thomas is, is pointed out here. Thomas was with them. Now, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And notice, he goes right to Thomas. Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Let's stop there for a second. So Jesus goes and, and to the disciples again. Thomas is there. He gets right to the point with Thomas. And he says, look, I am here. It is me. I'm not a ghost I'm not a spirit, I'm not an apparition, but I am here literally resurrected in the flesh. As a matter of fact, prove it. Put your finger where the, where the nails nailed me to the cross. Put your hand in the side where, where they pierced me with that spear and, and the blood and the water flowed. See, Jesus gave Thomas his empirical evidence. To the disciples and to Thomas, he consented to their request for proof. And you know what? Good for Thomas. Good for him. But his response was, my Lord. In other words, he, he, he comes to this full realization from disbelief to belief. You are Lord. You are in authority over all things. 
And you are God. You are the God of Israel. You are the fulfillment of all things that, that we have been waiting for and believing for. But that statement, my Lord, and specifically my God, see, John is such a wonderful author and how he brings things together. That right there, my Lord and my God, calling Jesus God, that's a big deal, by the way. He's tying together John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is with God in the beginning. John, John opens with that wonderful opening, that statement, and he brings Thomas back, unbelieving to believing. He ties the whole thing together. In the beginning was the Word, and he was God, and here's the proclamation from somebody who disbelieved, yes, you are God. He brings it together right there. Thomas believed. By the way, Thomas, according to tradition, he actually ended up being the disciple that traveled the furthest away with the proclamation of the crucified and risen Jesus. Tradition says he ended up in India. Matter of fact, India today, those who profess Christianity trace their roots to Thomas coming and proclaiming the gospel. That was the seed of the growth of Christianity in India. Eventually, Thomas himself was killed by a spear in India, according to tradition. But Thomas went from unbelief to belief, but not just belief, but to proclaim the risen Jesus to the point that he gave his life for it. But see, Jesus doesn't stop there. Notice what he says after Thomas proclaims what he proclaims. Jesus said to him, verse 29, have you believed because you have seen me? Watch this. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now, Jesus did other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, Jesus consented to giving Thomas his proof. But Jesus commends those who never get that proof but yet believe. So, so Lila, will you put up that, that one slide for today? So this is faith. Believing when you have not seen. And by the way, Jesus blesses this manner of belief. See that? This is faith. That you believe even when you have not seen, and Jesus actually goes as far as to bless this manner of believing. That, that word blessing, there's different ways that can uh, kind of bring a meaning depending on context. It can mean you're very fortunate. It means the favor of God. It means privilege. But those who believe, though they have not seen, are blessed by Jesus. See, here's the thing. You will not have a demand on God to prove anything. You cannot demand the Holy Spirit to show up and just prove. Now, now I believe fully, as the scriptures say still today, that signs follow those who believe. We believe that. We believe you can pray for the sick to see them well. We believe that God can show up in your financial situation and bless you. We believe all those kind of things. You can find incredible freedom in your life. We believe that. 
But those kind of beliefs can slip into demanding a sign, and it's not the same thing. And the moment you start demanding a sign from God is the moment that he may not give you your sign. Because blessed are those who believe, though they have not seen. So, so, so uh, in immaturity, when I was younger, pray silly prayers like a kid would pray, God, if you will just do this, then I'll believe in you. How many know what I'm talking about? That stuff don't work. You can't, you can't demand God into proving himself. Right? That we live life of faith in such a way that we understand that, look, faith is beyond explanation at times. So this guy named Blaise Pascal, he was a mathematician, uh, he was a philosopher, and all sorts of different things. He had a lot of things to his credit. He lived in the 1600s. He wrote a book called Penzies. I read this book, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. And it was something that I highlighted when I read it, and, and this is one of his famous quotes. That you, you can look it up. It pops up everywhere. He said this. Now, remember, reasoning is trying to figure out lo logically things that are in front of you, things around you. He wrote that the heart has its reasons, which the reason does not know. Now, if you can think about what I was saying there. The heart has the things that it's drawn to that the logic of your mind may not always work out and can't. Because the heart of a person is drawn by God. Is that right? Drawn by God to him. And all the things that are drawn by God to him and the things that we see when we start to discover him, you may not be able to always logically work it out. God gave us our reason. It's good to use your reason, but my reason doesn't rule me. My heart does. The heart is the center of who I am. See, listen, I'm all for Christian apologetics. And if you know what that means, that is, that is those who defend the faith by logic and reason. I'm all for that, okay? I'm all for the, those that try to take the Bible and try to explain the world scientifically. Okay, great. There's a lot of people who think they figured it out. I'm not so sure. Here's the thing. It don't matter your take on it. You will always have a place in faith in believing what you cannot see. You'll never remove that. That's why it's called faith. That makes sense. Because what is the heart is drawn to will not always be worked out in your mind completely. In other words, to believe in what you have not seen, you begin to understand that faith is a confession, what I confess, but not always an explanation. Faith is believing the testimony of Scripture. We preach Christ crucified, and the heart is drawn. Faith is, as Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 says, when the message of Jesus comes to our ears, the response of faith is available to us to believe. When I came to faith in Jesus, I didn't say, hey, look, let me go work all this stuff out, then I will believe. Let me go figure out all this stuff first, 
then I'll believe. Let me see if this logically works for me, then I'll believe. Let me, let me try to explain the happenings of the world, then I'll believe. The response of my heart and faith because I heard. It is about, at times in your life, simply taking the leap of faith. It is about times in your life jumping. That's what faith is in response to the call of God in your life, in the things he's doing, in the things he's saying. Logic and reason, if it rules your life, will hold steps of faith back in you. But we got to learn to be people of faith. That I, unless I have some glorious, wonderful vision, I will never see Jesus until he comes again, physically. I won't see him. But yet, I believe. And Jesus says, I bless that. I bless that. That brings my favor. We, we think of blessing sometimes in all the wrong ways. We think of blessing. Well, God will bless me. That means my bank account will go up. Nah, don't get wrapped up in that. Blessing is God's favor being with you. In other words, God is with you. That's his favor. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11... Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you say, God, I've got to logically figure this out all first, then I probably will believe, but maybe not all of it, but I'll believe this part because that was the part that was logically backed up. That's not faith. Faith is a leap, it's a jump into my Lord and my God. You see that? It's a jump into that. With God on the other side of whatever's in the way, say, hey, come on over. It's a surrender. And, and the Bible says, by the way, part of this whole transformation in the Christian life is renewing your mind. It's not that we don't work things logically and reasonably, but the renewing of the mind in part is that knowledge and provable facts are not above faith. That my faith in God is the best thing. Amen. So a leap, a jump, a declaration. My Lord and my God, confess. That's a confession, what, what Thomas did. He confessed beyond everything else. But he had the, the proof. But what about you? What about you? That we live a life in following Jesus is almost a daily leap of faith. How many of you pray every day? Do you realize that every day you take a leap of faith? You know that. Okay, why, why do you pray? Well, the Bible says, okay, that's nice. But why do you pray? Because you believe that your prayer doesn't hit the ceiling and come back. You believe that God hears it. Can you prove that? Nope. But you believe he does? That's a leap of faith. Right? You think about all the things you do. How many of you guys gave in the offering today? Oh, don't raise your hand. I'm sorry. I shouldn't do that. Okay, you did. Sorry. 
You know, people in society think that's nuts. Why would you give money to a church like that? If you tithe, you, you, you give 10% of your income. Why would you do that? You know what I could do with 10% of our money? I could think of a lot of stuff. I could the next place I'm going hiking. I can think of my next trip to Cabela's. I can think of the next thing, a little gadget I like to put on my, my Jeep. I can think of all sorts of stuff. That's not even thinking about what she thinks. That's just me. Why would you do that? That's a leap of faith. That's a leap of faith that God is going to provide and increase. You, you think about the different things that you do because you're a Christian that ultimately are a leap of faith that you can't really prove. You worship, some of you are singing and worshiping today. If, if God doesn't exist, that was a pretty silly practice this morning. Let's be honest. Kind of absurd. You're singing a song to who? Somebody's supposed to be out there. Some of you are raising your hands to sign of surrender. Why would you do that? You believe he's there. Why would you clap your hands? The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Why would you do that? Well, it's a nice song. No, no, that's part of your praise. But do you believe that God responds to the praise of, of your life? That's a leap of faith. Yes, signs of the kingdom do pop up. and We do see God do things. Yes, yes, yes. But every day you live a leap of faith. Will you proclaim, my Lord and my God, and I believe, yet I have not seen, I'm blessed. Just a manner of life that is honorable. Amen? And then what Donald Thomas did, really not doubting, he was in unbelief, but when he came to that declaration, man, he, he with the rest of the disciples, once they got over their fear and got out of the locked room, they were the ones that took this message of believing in something they no longer could see to the world. Because Jesus, by that time, ascended. He wasn't there. And it could have been explained a lot of different ways. That was just really weird. Did we really see that? Was somebody spiking our drinks? You know, what was going on? You know, they, they could have tried to explain the whole thing away, but it changed their life. That almost all of them, except for a couple of them, gave their life up for it. They died for it. They were martyrs. Believed so much. That's, that's one of, the, way, one of the, the witnesses of him that we see today. They gave their life for it. Radically changed. That though we have not seen like they did, is your life changed in that way? That you're willing to go out there with that message? Believe. You proclaim, my Lord and my God. Goodness. Amen? Let's take leaps of faith. Your mind will catch up later. That's okay. Leaps of faith. Leaps of understanding. That I believe he's there. Simply put, I believe he's there. So what, how does that change me? And we jump. Amen? So I'd like to do now, one of the signs that we do have of his resurrection is, is communion. So if ushers, if you want to come forward, please, and put these, this table of the Lord out for us. We believe in such a way that we continue to do what Jesus asked us to do in remembrance of him call it communion, some traditions call it the Eucharist. 
Thank you, gentlemen. That this is the sign that we preach Christ crucified. Body symbolic in this bread. Blood symbolic in this wine. I'll be completely honest with you. This is, this is symbolism, but I believe there's more going on here than just straight symbolism. I believe the Lord is present with us when we do this. There's something to it. So this morning, and you don't have to. It's okay if you don't want to. It's fine. This is not about membership here. It's not about anything. This is just about partaking in remembrance of the crucifixion of Jesus. If you'd like to partake today, if you would, come down the center aisle and kind of filter around the sides. And when you get back to your seats with the elements, we'll partake together in just a moment. I, I always partake because I believe. I wasn't there when he was crucified. I didn't see him after his resurrection. I've had marked moments of my life that I know in my heart were God, but I can't explain it with my mind. And I know he did things. I've, I've seen signs. Yeah, I've seen people and all sorts of stuff, but the greater pool is what he's done in my heart. I know that. I partake because I believe. It's a leap of faith. Jumping. And I hope I never, I never get, I hope I never get so smart in myself that I quit jumping. You know what I mean by that? You know, you know why Jesus says, unless you come unto me like a child, and why he makes that statement, because children believe anything. 
They believe anything. When I, was, when I was a kid, I thought I could be a professional football player. Thought what happened. Didn't make it. I'm here instead. Thank the Lord. Kids can believe anything. They can believe they're going to be a, a, a cowboy, astronaut. They, they believe they're a dinosaur. You know, they all believe all sorts of stuff. Right? Because they haven't got so smart that they stopped believing. Our mind gets in our way sometimes. We come to him like children. In other words, it's not, it's not just this, this blind following around ignorance. But it is leaps of faith. My Lord and my God, I believe. Lord, we thank you. that you went to a cross and died in our place. Your body was crucified. You paid the wage of sin, which is death, for us. A sinless life, undeserving, but you willingly went there because you love this world. to fulfill a purpose of bringing us right relationship with God. So today we partake of this bread in remembrance of your crucifixion, your body on that cross. And we thank you for that. Partake of your bread today. In the mysteries of God, blood being the symbol of life, and that being behind all the, all the ancient sacrificial systems that we have seen, that you bring it all to a head in shedding your blood, the blood that means life for us, forgiveness of our sins. For it seems like, like foolishness to the world that the blood of Jesus cleanses us of our sins, yet we believe that the gift of God and salvation comes with the gift of reconciliation, and part of that is our sins being forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for shedding your blood for us. We partake of this cup together in remembrance of that. Let's partake. Just for a minute, just for a moment. It may, may be a, a time of either recommitment or commitment for the first time. I don't know. That you echo the proclamation of Thomas, my Lord and my God, I believe. My Lord and my God, I believe. My Lord, personal, my God, personal, I believe. I take the leap of faith. Amen.
Amen. Amen. You know, as Paul writes, this is foolishness to those who do not believe. Know that. But you know what? I've known that for a long time. I'll be honest with you. I'm okay with that. Matter of fact, I'll go as far as Paul. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. All the while knowing it's a leap of faith, I'm not ashamed of it. I believe. Can we be that kind of a people? Steadfast in faith. Maybe having moments that pop up that a little doubt starts to come in, but coming back to my Lord and my God. Amen? Can we be that kind of people? Amen? Lord, I thank you for bringing us together this morning and your blessings upon us. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done. We stand in belief. And we stand in your blessing, Lord. We thank you for that. And the things that that means, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray that we're we're a people. We proclaim we're the children of God. Lord, we live like it. Lord, we say we believe. We just don't believe when it's convenient for us, but we believe. Lord, what we'll talk about next week with Peter, that that our belief doesn't waver in the the face of uh, accusation. But we always stand not ashamed. Lord, I thank you. Simply for being who you are. You are king of kings. In other words, there is no kingdom in this world greater than you. You're above it all. You are Lord of Lords. In other words, there is no authority out there that's greater than you. You are the greatest authority. You are the beginning. You're the Alpha. You're the end. You're the Omega. And all things in between are sustained by you. Thank you. We believe. We believe that the word that you spoke, the words were created. Existence came into being in material form. We believe. We believe the things that we find in the scriptures. Evidences that you're working with with mankind, the process of bringing them back to you in relationship, we believe. We believe the mark worked God in this world, that you came as a living human being, dying for us, but the power of God being rose from the dead. We believe. We believe we're people being changed and formed into your likeness, being a light in this world. We believe. We believe there's a coming resurrection of the dead. That's your return. All things, new heaven and new earth, all things will be made new. We believe. We believe in an eternal kingdom. An eternity where you have wiped away every tear and taken away every pain. You have brought back to perfection your original creation, we believe. And that is our hope. We thank you. We thank you. 
And we bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, thank you for coming today. If you have prayer needs, anything else, please come down. We'd love to pray with you before you go. If you have questions, come on down. If not, Wednesday night, Darius Herrera, don't miss him next Sunday. Come on back. We'll, we'll jump into Peter next week.